29 of the Better Yet Podcast. I'm Tim Chris, your host. Better Yet! It's a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians and podcasters. Talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. Once again, Tribe Called Quest implanted in the past few weeks of my life. I had the great Pleasure to read Anif Abdurraqib's book, Go Ahead in the Rain, Notes to a Tribe Called Quest, which, Google it, first off. Look at the cover of this book. Bought it on site alone. I like Tribe Called Quest. I like them a lot. And I knew that a guided walkthrough of the history and the discography would be a good experience, but this book just gave me so much Beyond a greater appreciation for the band and for Fife and Q-Tip, but Hanif writes in a way that makes you think about all the music you love and the people who have shared music with you and who you've shared music with. So much goodness. Oh, Amanda Starling, the host of the Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion podcast is on the show this week, an interview that brings us full circle in a lot of ways. Amanda and I have been part of a mutual appreciation society the past couple years, and she's on the show this week. Very stoked to share our conversation. Took an extra week off there. It's been a busy time. Migraines lately too have been beating me up but here i am now sitting looking at a half empty record shelf there's a big box on my table uh we're moving again i've been doing this show for three years and 11 months sick 
and I'm moving into my fourth home since I've started. It's a good move, though. Jay and I are upgrading, but also it hurts to say, but I got to take another couple weeks off to tend to things, get settled. Last time I moved in, I don't think I missed a week, and then I freaked out, so I'm going to try and avoid doing that again, but I will happily return in two maybe three weeks but in the meantime it's been a fun couple weeks over on patreon last week the series premiere of haircuts and t-shirts i've alluded to this on the show before but i finally brought it to fruition i did a true crime podcast about the singer from mess remember he killed that guy i went hard though i'm actually really proud of it Uh, It's a good production. It is a good episode of a true crime podcast. Did that last week. This week, I got all this packing to do. I've been traveling. I took it as a good excuse to do a top 20 albums of the 2000s list. And we've been doing that over the course of the week. Daily playlists, four records a day. That's been a lot of fun. Counting down to my number one record of the aughts good excuse to listen to some warm blanket records as I put records into boxes and having a chance to just write about them. Go on over to Patreon. You can pledge a monthly amount to help keep the show going. Good bonus audio content over there. You can get a postcard from me and Chloe. I had her signing postcards earlier this week. There's a coffee deal we got over there. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Podcast. All right. Amanda Starling is on the show this week. Amanda is the host of the Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion Podcast. Angry Girl is a podcast centered on women, LGBTQI+, and people of color in music with an emphasis on intersectional feminism. Amanda conducts wonderful long-form interviews with people involved in DIY, people like our friend Avery Springer of Retirement Party, Carly Commando of Slingshot Dakota, and Mars Dixon of Ina Co., which is where I first found this show, Angry Girl. I'm doing research for my interview with Mars. I find this interview and I said, oh my God, someone else is doing an interview podcast for punks. And it's not just one dude talking to another dude. And oh my God, it's so good. I sent Amanda an email saying thank you. I'm so happy I found this interview. And we've been supporting each other and each other's efforts ever since. In the time that's passed, I've listened weekly as Amanda continues to conduct super passionate and insightful interviews. And the homie has grown that brand into something special and here she was. I mean, normally it's like, it's like, oh, I like a band. I'll wait till they tour. But somebody's doing a podcast in Florida. I'm not expecting her to come through. But there was a Star Wars convention in town. And respect. She had to fly up for it. And that gave us an excuse to do our own interview. I'm very excited to share it. So let's get to it. Here's me and Amanda Starling. You are coming off of a day, an emotional roller coaster. Yes. <laughs> of a day is, is how we, 
we would describe it best. And it's 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 interesting to me because I didn't realize that where you were at, it wasn't like everybody there was going to see the trailer. No. So what happens is, is they do this arena where you can kind of go in and uh, watch the panel if you got drawn for like this lottery system. Uh-huh. Because what happens, people used to camp out overnight and like in like whatever convention center or arena or whatever. So they would do that. And that was like the only way that you could pull it off. And so um, Star Wars and like all the organizers and stuff were fed up with people doing that. So like, fine, fine, we'll do a lottery system. You all show up an hour before that's it. Right. So it's like the NBA. They yeah, do a yeah. thing where if you it, the the last the teams that finish finish at the bottom ten mm-hmm. are in a lottery. Yeah, because people were just throwing the seasons. They're like, oh well, we'll get the first draft pick. Yeah, if we suck as bad as we continue to suck. Yeah, so let's continue to suck. And they're like, no, you can't just do that. Yeah, because other teams are trying to suck even harder. <laughs> so you get and then so you get in there and you get to watch episode nine. Yeah, the trailer. Yeah, which for uh, th- th- I think the life of a Star Wars fan is so interesting at this point. Yeah, it's a wild ride, that's for sure. I mean, as a moderate Star Wars fan, I remember going to see episode two in the theater and just mm-hmm. being like, well, the best part of that was the one Samuel Jackson line. <laughs> this party's over. And it's like, that was so over the top, but... They have Samuel L. Jackson in this, so you might as well do it. Yeah. And then I go to the third one, and I'm like, how did you mess this up so bad? (laughs) And then Darth Vader goes, no. And it's like, oh, my God. You got to be kidding me, right? Yeah. And and you, as someone who cares deeply about this. Yeah. You're just getting kicked. You're just on the ground getting kicked by George Lucas in the mid 2000s. So fortunately, I was a kid. Uh huh. So I'm I'm the I joke that I'm the prequel generation. I I was oh. a child when all this was happening. Okay. So like Episode One came out when I was like seven years old. Uh huh. Um, I was in elementary school when Episode Two came out. About almost done with middle school whenever episode three came out. Uh-huh. And so for me, a lot of the childlike qualities that older fans were bothered by, it didn't bother me as much. Yeah. And I latched on to different things that maybe other people didn't. And um, that for, was the goal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, Lucas won over the, the kids, uh-huh. which was the goal for him. And like, because uh, he wanted you to buy things. He did. And I, my, oh, yeah. I had my parents wrapped around my finger on that. Uh-huh. I mean, we didn't have money growing up for a long time. But as soon as my parents saw that I was into that, they were like, OK, we're getting you action figures. And I had like boxes of figurines everywhere. It was great. Uh huh. And so uh, I don't know. It was it was fun. And my dad got me into all this stuff as a kid. Uh at age six, I was terrified of everything. I was still scared of monsters. And my uh-huh. dad's like, okay, enough of that. You're getting old and this this isn't cute anymore kind of thing. Sure. Uh, I think he still thought it was cute. But he, like, he was just like, we need to fix you before this becomes a permanent life fixture. Uh-huh. So like, I didn't like monsters. I was scared of everything. And he was like, okay, enough. We're going to sit you down and watch this movie. And he has, I think his goal was to show me the cantina scene with all the monsters just chilling, having drinks, uh-huh. seeing like, see, monsters aren't that bad. They're just hanging out. They're just right, having fun. Right. And that's it. And it's just, it's and hilarious. It worked. it worked. But it was funny because I didn't latch on to the monsters the way he wanted me to. I'm still afraid of like horror and monsters and stuff. Uh-huh. I'm, I could handle it as an adult, but. <laughs> I can't, it, so. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm like, I, I won't, it'll bother me for a bit. It's not as bad as it was for me as a kid. But, like, 
uh, it's hysterical because uh, I latched onto the Jedi and I got obsessed with Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi and all this stuff. And uh, my mom actually turns to my dad every time I talk about Star Wars is like, you ruined her. You did this. <laughs> you did this to her. You did this. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So where did you grow up? Were you in Florida? Yes. Um, I grew up, in, I was born in Tampa. Uh-huh. And uh, I grew up in St. Petersburg, which was like 10, 15 minutes from yeah. there. So Yeah. And St. Petersburg is, is more towards the coast, right? Yes. Yeah. My grandparents were in Sarasota, so mm-hmm. they took they would take me up to the Bush Gardens in yeah. Tampa. Yeah. You're probably, Sarasota is about, just about an hour south. Yeah. Okay, cool. So so what did, what did your folks do? So, um, my parents both worked in, they both still do. They work for like a financial services company and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, it's wild. My dad started off in like mailroom. Now he's like a VP of finance kind of thing. He's one of those people that actually like climbed the ladder. Bootstraps. Yes. Yeah. yeah seriously. Did it as like a young dad didn't, uh-huh. uh, didn't have anything. It was awesome. And like my mom, very similar situation. Um, she ran like a contact center and now she's working in like, product services and everything so my parents are awesome they are literally the people who have pulled themselves from like nothing into having these really awesome careers they yeah. they really motivated me to get my shit together <laughs> that's great is yeah. it is it just you mm-hmm. well complicated family storyline so hit me okay so my mom was previously married uh-huh. to my biological father uh-huh. and had me previous to my marriage to, to his marriage with my mother he had a daughter with another wife. Okay. And then um, my stepdad comes into the picture when I'm like about three years old. He already has a son, so I have a stepbrother. Uh-huh. So I've got like two siblings, basically. Yeah. So so you and your dad, you you on good terms? Uh, my stepdad You're... and I is like basically my dad. Right, right. Don't really talk to my biological father. He's just kind of out of the picture? Yeah, no. Not in my life at all. But yeah. it was amazing because like right when I think I was starting to become cognizant about like parenthood and stuff, my dad swept in the picture right when I needed him. Uh-huh. And it's been amazing. He's like, both of my parents are fantastic. My mom is like the definition of the badass, strong mother and like... Our relationship is the equivalent of Loreline Rory from Gilmore Girls. Like, uh-huh. that was basically our relationship. It's still like that. And my dad is just, like, amazing. Both of my parents are awesome. I'm very lucky to have them both. That's great. Yeah. That's great. It always takes me a second with Gilmore Girls because for some reason I can't get it out of my head that Gossip Girl and Gilmore Girls are two very different things. <laughs> but Gilmore Girls, I'm like, yeah. oh, Yeah. I like that yeah. show. I like the way that, the, that they hang out. Like 90s music and stuff, you know, there was a lot of Britney and Justin and uh-huh. like TLC in the house and stuff. But I remember distinctly every day driving to elementary school, middle school, my dad would put on the 80s station. So yeah. like I grew up loving like everything from Prince to like all kinds of just popular 80s music. I was obsessed with all that stuff. Um, yeah. That, uh, oh gosh, it would take me forever to rattle off everybody, but it was just right, cool because, like, sure. I got exposed to so many different genres and, like... The 80s were such a, like, when it comes to, like, radio in the 80s, it's mm-hmm. so eclectic, especially when you look at, you know, you got Backstreet Boys, you got NSYNC, you got Britney Spears, Christina, like, everybody has, like, their paired off, mm-hmm. like other version of the same thing that we kind of grew up with even in in rock music yeah in the 90s and then you you look at 
the 80s and you got the cars and you got prince and all these like yeah, the different Cure people and van halen and all kinds of shit like literally crazy it was sounds it. it was all of it and it was awesome because like i got into the habit my dad liked to collect cds a lot growing up so it's like i would find everything from like uh like van halen to like yanni to all kinds of stuff uh-huh. i was literally just like picking up his cds and just sneaking them in my room he figured out what i was doing he's like you know you can just ask me right i'm like yeah that's true and yeah so i just started kind of listening to like a lot more of like i guess your traditional popular music at the time so right but it was it was fun um i would say as far as like punk rock indie rock all that stuff actually started to shape around middle school Uh uh-huh i remember um i was a really awkward kid and one time i don't know why one of the boys in my class he wanted to borrow, I guess, this like iHome like iPod plug-in stereo, and he's and he's like, "Can I borrow that?" I'm like, "Sure." We were in like some class party. Okay. And uh, so you bring you bring it in, and he's like, "Oh, can I borrow that?" Yeah, and okay. I'm like, "Sure, I guess." I'm not using it right now anyway. And he's like, "Well, come over and listen to what we're playing." I'm like, "Okay." So I sit down with like this probably group of like four or five boys. I'll never forget it. And they put down um, Taking Back Sunday uh-huh. and Seosin and uh-huh. like all this like mid 2000s, early 2000s, like emo, pop there punk and stuff. And that's when it clicks. Yeah. And uh, I became obsessed. I was downloading music like crazy at that point. And uh, I remember between that and then my mom, because being a young mom, she watched everything. We watched a lot of teen night dramas. I uh-huh. was obsessed with One Tree Hill. Oh, okay, okay, okay. One Tree Hill. Yes. The OC. All of that. And you and you've you've talked about that on the show too. Those yeah. those shows, as silly as they were, also had like incredibly well curated music on them. It was the selling point. I remember specifically experiencing Death Cab for the first time. Right. Watching the OC. And because I, I was too young to be going to too many shows at that point. Uh-huh. So it was like uh, I saw Death Cab. I saw a Fall Out Boy. I experienced Jack's Mannequin. My intro to like Andrew Mahan, who I was a huge fan of as a kid. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of once I got those first tastes, I started finding music on my own. So I quickly spilled into like um, everything from like Paramore and uh, Hey Monday and finding all these different bands and stuff. And I just would download all this music. I remember in high school, one of my best friends, she and I would like come to my home maybe every weekend and like just swap music and stuff yeah. it was mostly just like cheesy radio pop punk and stuff but it was still part of the experience of finding music it's finding it yeah it's finding it and sharing it with people so when you would go to shows would it would you go to like st petersburg and tampa like yeah. those are kind of the touring spots near you yeah so as a teenager that was pretty much where i was at there's this venue um it's one of the few that's still left downtown um, as far as like sizable state theater used to book all kinds of stuff. I remember seeing some bands there as a kid, um, went to Warp Tour. I'm, I made a face I'm, I'm because, uh-huh. you know, I'm, I was a kid. I wanted to go see like Angels and Airwaves. Right. And, like, and that's like the way that. that you do it. Yeah. As and, a kid. Right. It's it's how it's how we all experience things, right? We we all we all have those those aspects of it. It where you you look back and you're like, oh man, there's so much to unpack and, and how you don't realize how problematic right. it is as a kid and it was the one place where it was like my parents were okay with unleashing a pair of teenagers to just run around and uh-huh. it was probably like and i know this is the case with so many people i talk to it's like 
that's the one time where you can go see a bunch of bands in one go and your parents are going to be cool with it kind of thing. So I went one time in high school with one of my best friends. We got sunburnt. We saw Story of the Year, who we were all obsessed with at the time. Uh And like, Was uh, that Until the Day I Die? Right? That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Uh Uh I freaking loved that band as like um, early in high school and stuff. And then it quickly started getting heavier and heavier because I got into like AFI. That right. was like my probably my biggest turning point as far as getting into like punk. They'll suck you in, and they got the they got the darkness to them, and you can go backwards and you find out like oh this was just like the best skate punk band for a long time. Oh yeah, because I got into them around December Underground. I know a lot of people aren't a fan of that record. I loved it as a kid, and then I just quickly kept going backwards from there because then it was quickly like Sing the Sorrow, and then. All the way into all Hollow's EP and all that. The stuff. best. That's the best AFI release. Yeah. By far. I love it all as a thing. I mean, I'm not as fan I'm not as big of a fan of the newer stuff for sure. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I saw them probably about like four years ago and they still were freaking great. I believe that. They're a strong band and like it's it's just fun. Yeah, for just, sure. Yeah, no, my teenage years, my taste was like all over the place with that. But it was it was formative. I didn't I think I got the most into like indie punk actually happened around college. Uh-huh. So What did you go to college for? Uh I studied journalism at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Where did you gra- go? I went to USF, uh the St. Oh. Petersburg campus. It was okay. sick because we were downtown. Uh-huh. So like I was able to kind of start getting into more and more music and stuff. Like I remember the first time I wrote about music proper was in college. I wrote for the student newspaper. Uh-huh. And I covered this uh i did this interview for this band current swell okay and i remember being on the phone with this person that was the first time i ever interviewed an artist and stuff i'm like whoa this is cool so like partway through college i started kind of picking up different music blogs and stuff that i was getting into and i was meeting people and uh started doing more interviews and stuff i remember i think a year or so later i remember the first time i actually interviewed tanner jones from you blew it uh-huh. And that was mind-boggling, and I thought right. it was the and coolest experience. And they're doing the thing, too. Like, You Blew It is, is kind of on the, the upswing yeah. at that point. They're yeah. a Florida band. Keep on doing what you're doing, I think, was already out at that point. So, uh-huh. yeah, so shortly after that. L- let's go back a tiny bit to the to the beginnings of, of studying journalism. Sure. Like, what were you, I guess, what was the intention when you're going in? So I had been wanting to be actually a journalist since I was about five or six years old, maybe a little bit younger. Uh-huh. Um, and it was actually because my grandpa is a high school football coach. Oh, okay. And so... Oh, that's big down there, right? Yeah, yeah. Florida has, Florida has a pretty good reputation. They're not Texas big, but it's pretty up there. Oh, and like, uh, there was a time where my grandfather was actually like getting close to winning championships kind of stuff. Like uh-huh. he was getting into the major playoffs and everything. So that meant reporters would want to come out and talk to him after. Well, me being a bratty child, I was like, I don't want to share my grandpa's attention. It belongs to me. I'm the cute kid. Uh-huh. So, like, I uh, I watched... So, if I just walk around with this notebook, then grandpa's going to have to talk to me. Well, I did that. I ran out on the field every time after the game with a notebook. Get and out. I remember I would stand there next to the reporter. And some, and I got to a point where I can't believe as a small child I was faster than a reporter. But I actually beat them to my grandpa at one point. Uh-huh. And <laughs> the reporter was about to just start asking questions 
And I remember standing there huffing and puffing, getting mad because this person was going to steal my scoop or whatever. Uh-huh. And like, uh, uh-huh. uh, my grandpa literally put his hand up and he was just like, I'm sorry, she was here first. I have to take her question. I got to take, I got to take her question. Yeah. And the, I'm like, the my Starling questions were, Gazette. Yeah, no, my, my questions were complete gibberish. And I went home and I like made like a coloring book newspaper and uh-huh. I used to read it at family dinner on Sunday after the game. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit ridiculous, but I was obsessed. I loved that stuff. And I remember distinctly doing that for a long time. And at one point, uh, I had a really great middle school teacher who kind of just kept encouraging me to write. I was writing a lot of fiction back then and stuff. Truth what kind like, of fiction? It was science fiction. Yeah. I used to do like Star Wars fan fiction kind of stuff. Let's uh-huh. be real. Um, and uh, my teacher saw that I was good at it. So she just kind of kept pushing me. And she told me that when I got to high school, go write for the high school paper. Yeah. So I did that. Uh-huh. Got to a point where I was editor in chief of my high school paper. Um, my my teacher, uh, Mr. Lynch, shout out to him. He was amazing. Um, he actually pushed me to go apply for a summer journalism camp uh, at the Pointer Institute. Now, they own the Tampa Bay Times, one of the biggest like independent yeah, papers. Sure. So, like, I went to the summer camp for, like, a week, two weeks and I uh, found out very quickly that the Times was actually launching a high school student regional paper that was going to be distributed to all the local high schools. Uh-huh. Started writing for them. Then I eventually became an editor for them. Yeah. So I was just, I got the You're bug young. You're on freaking track. Yeah, yeah. I was doing all of that. Got to college. Um, is it is it newspaper writing that you want to do? Or is it you, you find newspaper writing is something that you can do, but you are wanting to do something more with a, with a journalism track? So at the time, I wanted to just, I just knew I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to write. Yeah. That's pretty much what I wanted to do. And so um, when I got to college, I started pushing harder to do that stuff. So I actually wrote for the high school, for, excuse me, my, um, I, wor- I wrote for my, Student newspaper, I helped launch a digital media team, which is basically um, students doing PR for the university. Yeah. And um, I can't... Oh, at that time, I got a job at the local newspaper. So I was working as, like, an editorial assistant. I was doing everything from, like, helping them organize our archive to eventually answering phones, taking calls from, like, different subscribers and stuff. Are they paying you for this? Yeah, they were not, okay, all right. not the best, but they were paying me. Right, right. I'm just um, listi- listing off these things and just being like, oh, yeah. they, fu- they get you, don't they? They do. Uh-huh. And like I did, I worked up my senior semester, I was working three jobs and taking like a full course load. Yeah. Don't know how I did it. I think I just blocked it out truthfully. For sure. But yeah, I got through all that. Um Unfortunately, when I graduated, there wasn't any opportunity for me to become a full-time writer. They kind of just wanted to keep paying yeah. me as an editorial assistant. There they wasn't any really benefits. Nothing. Those anymore? No, they actually eliminated the position not too long after I left. Jesus. So, um, yeah, I got to a point where I'm like, okay, I just need to focus on being an adult. Uh-huh. So I went and got an adult job, and then I started working for different blogs on the side just for fun. So, which like, ones? Um, so I started out with, they, they don't exist anymore, Rice and Bread Magazine. Okay. 
And then I had a blog in Orlando um, that I was working for for a bit. And then I eventually found the alternative. Oh, okay. So that that was um, actually about a year ago. I finally found them. Oh, okay. But so this, the- is, th- this is after Angry Girl. You find your spot. Yeah, yeah. So Angry Girl launched almost three years ago. Holy crap. <laughs> it's and wild, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't believe it. And I did that because um, I was frustrated with the way I was being... Um, kind of treated it one of the blogs I had been writing for I left and I tried launching in my own blog for a little while um it was the radio readies my friend Tyler uh-huh. um he and I did that for a long time and stuff and, and that's and you do you do on the record with Tyler too, yes right? I do um okay. we've been we've been both really busy Tyler works for major league baseball as like a video editor and stuff oh I want that job. Right? Isn't it awesome? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what he does. And so um, sometimes it's hard for us to coordinate schedules and everything. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. time flies. But Well, bring me bring me back, I guess, because th- is that what comes first? Is it the, the radio roadies? Yeah, yeah. So we launched that uh-huh. with the intention of kind of just doing something. We both had the mentality of we want to focus more on the artists and not on uh, giving away stuff. And uh-huh. like, cause that was kind of the things that we were dealing with was a previous blog we were working for. It was like, that was all about partying. So Ty- Tyler was on the blog team with you. Yeah. And we both were like, okay, we need to start fresh and we need to do something for ourselves. So what was it about that blog? You said, uh, the way that you were treated, was it just that you weren't, I wasn't like, being heard. I yeah, think that sure. I was bringing up a lot of really important points about, um, Equality as well as representation and um, the way that I was being presented. I didn't want to be associated with um, party culture. Uh-huh. And I felt like it was going to detract from so many other parts of my life and yeah. kind of put a bad light on me. So was the was the blog, I guess, was it, it was a music blog? Was it like punk music or just like... Any, it, it was the, the a little bit, but it was mostly about working with local music venues and bar sales and stuff it okay. quickly spiraled from being about the music and more about the, how the just get... the, the culture yeah, yeah yeah and that that to me it's like yeah party culture i guess is okay but i'm like uh-huh. i'm not into that i think that there's more important things to focus on i think the artists could feel that mm-hmm. got to a point where i actually um the i had artists not wanting to talk to me because i was working with this blog yeah and so um tyler and i quickly both realized that we needed to do something on our own. Uh-huh. So we uh, we decided we were going to launch the Radio Readies together with a couple of friends, and we tried to kind of get that going. And I knew I wanted to do something on my own alongside that. So yeah. that's when I started Anger Girl Music, because I had all these feelings of making sure that people felt represented. So part of that was, as I saw... As I was going to more and more shows. Yeah, tell me about, like, are you, are you finding this stuff, like, in college, are you finding that there's, like, a local scene with people your own age who are making music and doing mm-hmm. it on their own? Is it, like, how do you how do you find yourself, I guess, starting off into that world? Okay, yeah, so, um... I'm just trying to bring it back so that we can get, like, yeah, the full yeah. scope of, of starting Angry Girl. Yeah, so what happened was, um, this guy that I was dating in college, he made it actually mixed cd for me of like all this like indie music and stuff Mm because i like i'd been listening to punk but not not in the way that diy kind of is involved so i remember specifically uh coming through that and then i quickly started finding my own music and stuff yeah and i became obsessed with finding music again in ways that i hadn't for a long time so i started putting together my own playlists and going to more shows than he wanted to go to it quickly Mm -hmm. i quickly realized that i was in love with the music and not this person right 
So um, <laughs> it, it, it's really sad. Um, but I appreciate the life lesson that right, came out right. of all that. Yeah, but, like, for sure. It was cool because I started finding my own music. I started going to local shows, started going to like warehouse shows and like house shows and all this stuff mm-hmm. that was happening in the area that I didn't even realize was there. But on the other side of it, I started to realize very, very quickly. I'm like, these are all straight white guys. Yeah, sure. There aren't any non-men here Uh i don't and i'm like the only person of color in the room yeah and i'm like what is with that and so because i realized that it took me a while to sometimes start to find these bands i mean granted i was listening to like bikini kill and all these really awesome like empowering bands from the 90s and stuff but it was like but where are the people my age doing that yeah you know and they they're somewhere around here so i kind of set out to make sure that more people like me could find the music that they wanted mm-hmm. and find people that looked like them and that had their voices in mind. And between that and just kind of like this frustration of not feeling like I was heard on any media landscape that I was involved in, I was like, okay, I need to create a platform not just for me, but for other people who don't know how to make a platform or how to access one. So um, I started meeting more and more local bands and I started meeting more people just in music because at the time, I had started going to the fest in Gainesville uh-huh. and I was meeting so many different people and I was talking to them about like how much I really felt like I needed a platform and that other people needed a platform to talk about these issues. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a lot of really great friends that kind of came forward and started encouraging me. Like I remember talking to my friend Erica Clayton, um, uh-huh. who's in Binary Heart, about this and she was so encouraging. She was my first guest on the podcast. Yeah, perfect. And so um, once I told her the idea and I started talking to a couple other people, um, it just quickly, quickly grew from there. Um, I just, I was like, I'm just going to keep trying to, I can talk to and go from there. And I had like just so many friends just in my corner pushing me to talk about music and talk to these bands. So Mm -hmm. it was just amazing. And I think between arriving in the scene at the right time, and meeting the right people just kind of kept me motivated to just keep finding people who looked and sounded like me. It's it's a, a wonderful story to hear, you know, especially going back to the introverted mm-hmm. kid. Was it was it, was there something about I guess that space that allowed you to feel like <laughs> Chloe passing a little gas? Oh my gosh, she's so funny. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm sorry that was just too cute it was good way to go Chloe. that's okay that's what editing's for yeah i'm i might leave it or that's a that's that's an end of the <laughs> end of the episode yeah um <laughs> so what do you think it was about like being in in that space that allowed you to maybe go from the point of frustration that you're at, but also being an introvert. Mm-hmm. What what is it? The encouragement of your friends that allows you to be like, yes, actually, this can be done, and it can be done by me. Yeah. So what happened was, at least for me, I feel like I credit so much of like the local DIY scene as well as the people I was meeting at Fest for making that possible because I I was having conversations with people on the internet about this stuff. You know how forums go and everything. Mm -hmm. So part of it was seeing that there were other people who had similar feelings to me were out there, slowly meeting them in person and stuff, having the conversations. I felt validated at that point. And so um, 
I'm more outspoken when I feel like I know somebody well enough to have that like kind of connection. Like, you know what? I'm going to say how I feel on this. And that kind of just helped build my confidence in that sense. When you feel like somebody else understands your experience, it's that much easier to be able to speak louder about it is how I feel. Yeah, absolutely. It's good that you're meeting these people and I guess forming this concept of what you want to do. Tell me about the early... I guess, germination of the podcast, because Mm -hmm. going back to episode one, it starts with the same intention Mm -hmm. that it does to this day, which is we're here to talk about intersectional feminism, Mm -hmm. DIY, and of course, the music. Yeah. Does it, do you have to get there? Or is it just like, this is what I want, like, boom, banging my fist in all three of these points. And this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And oh, my God, we held on to it. Yeah, um, I think that a lot of that came from listening to these playlists that I was making and stuff. You know, I mean, uh, the name of the podcast, Anger Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion, it comes from a reference of 10 Things I Hate About You. Fucking fantastic. It's my favorite movie, favorite teen movie of all time. I grew up on it. I love it. It's fantastic. And um, Is Cat the reason that you found Bikini Kill? Yes, as well as the Raincoats and so many fucking other fucking right. great bands. I mean, I was a kid. It was 99, of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, And I was just like, I saw this really strong, empowered music lover out there just kicking ass and taking no shit from men. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that growing up with that kind of influence to some extent helped shape a little bit of my attitude. It started to put the confidence in there. Yeah. But um, that's kind of where that reference comes from. But I actually remembered it listening to a Taco Cat song off of one of their mm-hmm. EPs. They had it as an intro bit. They had literally the Joseph Gordon-Levitt quote of the likes, Thai food, feminist prose, and indie rock, indie, angry girl music of the indie rock persuasion. Uh-huh. And I remember hearing that while listening to the song. And I'm like, well, shit, that's it. There it is. There it is. And, like, you know, I was obsessed with Taco Cat. I still love that band. And, like, I kept finding more and more music that felt like that and i think it quickly became kind of like a mantra for me like this is this is gonna be it so i started kind of focusing in on that as kind of like my mental my like little mission statement if you will and uh between the music i was listening to the friends i was making through music and stuff i was just like this is it i gotta i gotta go in with this attitude i feel like it's really helpful for what you do that you present it in such a deliberate fashion I think that, you know, there's there's something to be said about, you talked about this with, with Rivka, mm-hmm. of sort of this kind of quiet way of, of inserting those same ideals, but without, like, saying them and without pronouncing them. Yeah. And then there's the way that you do it, which I think has the same amount of power and same amount of value of just being mm-hmm. like, these are the issues. This is this is what's important and this is what this podcast is about. Yeah. I try to balance that. It's tricky because it's like I want to be able to deliver a powerful message, but I also want it to be on not just my terms, but the artist terms turn it terms too. Cuz at that point it's like okay, if you want to talk about the issues, we're going to fucking talk about the issues. Right. And if you don't feel like it, if you just want to talk about your music, if you just want to do that, I'm cool with that too. I try to keep both in mind because it's as much about them as it is about us and as much as it is about me. Right. Because there's there's an aspect of, you know, asking somebody about their experiences mm-hmm. and the way that 
you know, somebody of, of a, of a, you know, gender that's non-male and mm-hmm. a, an orientation that's not straight and mm-hmm. all of these things, they characterize themselves in so many different ways where it's, you know, sometimes it's a lot more subtle and sometimes it's a lot more just there and open. Yeah. And it's a matter of, well, how are they going to present, you know, their experiences? Is it going to be, yeah, well, I felt fucking stepped on because I'm a woman in an all male scene or is it just, I felt timid. Yeah, it's it. what I try to do is let them kind of guide the conversation. So what I make a point to do with my guests is I ask them, okay, what are you feeling comfortable talking about? Mm-hmm. And I'll generally ask before we even hit record, like, okay, is there anything you know you want to talk about? And if it's somebody who wants to talk about the issues, they'll lay it out. They're like, yeah, I'm feeling really pissed about this. Can we talk about this? And I'm right. like, I'll find a way to weave it into the conversation. But um, if not, I just let them kind of decide how much they want to share. Some people will open up and share everything. Right. And some people will just kind of keep it at the general level. And I try to respect their boundaries because they're people too. Mm-hmm. That's the way I always try to see it. Did you did you come to that from, you know, did you start with that? or Or did it kind of take a little bit of time of realizing that, the approach has to be this way in order for you to get the conversation that you want. So I know in the beginning, you'll hear it probably in my first like two or three episodes, I did get a little bit more direct asking, you know, like, yeah. well, how, I hate asking the question, how does it feel to be this person in the scene? I tried to avoid that. Right. But at the same time, I'm just kind of like, I, I tried to always frame it in the beginning as more so it's like, what are some experiences you've learned from mm-hmm. being involved in music and stuff? And it took me some time to learn that. But I think that it was a lot easier whenever I started talking to more people who did have a little bit more of just the instinct to talk about things as they wanted to. I learned that very quickly in my interview with Carly Commando from Slingshot Dakota. I just mm-hmm. let her go. Ugh. And that was yeah. that was a powerful conversation. And I learned so much from that interview. And I learned in that actually particularly with that one. Just let just let folks talk and let them have that experience and tell their story the way they want to. Uh, and from that point forward, I purposely guided the conversations that way and just been like, okay, let's do things on your terms even more so than what I had on. Cause you know what it's like, you have the bad pancakes in the beginning when you start podcasting right? and then you hit the right one and it just goes from there. And I I seriously credit Carly so much. Well, it was, it was so funny. Like it listening to that interview again and you and I talked when when I talked to you for the alternative, you know, my own experience of here's the one mm-hmm. and listening to Carly talk and and listening to just the way that that conversation was just so organically happening. Yep. It was like, OK, cool. There it is. Moving forward. This is this is the one that's like, OK, I how did I how did I allow that to happen? And let's continue. Yeah. To do it. Definitely. She, she just talks about everything. She's like that all the time is the thing. And I'm very fortunate. I hope Carly's listening because honestly, uh, Carly, you're the best if you hear this. Um, and she's like that all the time. And I think I learned to kind of identify even in very brief moments before we start recording with different guests. I'm like, this is their personality. This is how they are. And this is how they prefer to talk. Mm-hmm. And so like, I mean, I feel like I did a good job with that with like Erica because we were friends like that first episode and then I feel like I started to develop that more and more because like it was easy with Carly I feel like when I interviewed Mars we could just kind of talk more yeah. so mm-hmm. on um, on their terms in that sense and so on so I kind of just kind of 
once I got that slingshot episode, I feel like it just became organic from there. It absolutely did. And I what I love about that Carly interview, I hope Carly's listening to this too because I've tried a couple times and hopefully next time she's in Chicago, which I'll I think is her. in a couple months. Um she, <laughs> I I would I would love for Carly to come on this podcast because you get somebody who just comes in and and y'all hit on everything. Yes. You hit on her relationship mm-hmm. and also, just the the fact that she's looking at the way that the scene has developed into a scene that doesn't really foster the way it was meant to, mm-hmm. at least not when she started. And that was really interesting. And it was really interesting listening to the conversation with Erica, too, where yeah. the, the best things that came out of that conversation were Erica talking about her experiences of being talked down to by some people and like treated the way that she was when she was working at venues Mm -hmm. so the question that that i had in in listening to those conversations was were were those parts of it always in your mind of of what you wanted to be talking about on the podcast or was it just oh damn what erica said right here i didn't even think about that so Erica's experience was very familiar to me because somebody, as somebody who worked in um, like independent music media for a while, it was like, okay, I know what it's like to be talked down to by staff. Because like for me, I, I'm still bitter to some extent about this. Like I used to have bouncers kick me off the stage for photography because they wanted to put their girlfriends right there, or they didn't. Yeah. They just decided they didn't want a woman right there, but they'd let the men go shoot there, kind of thing, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So those experiences became very familiar. I knew exactly what they were talking when they would bring up these sort of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I wanted to have those conversations. I wanted that to come up to some extent because it's something that needs to be talked about. But um, a lot of that stuff I tried to just kind of let come out on their own. And like when I kind of told Erica and Carly what the intention of the podcast was they were both very much on board and they're like we want to talk about these issues I didn't have to ask them really yeah they were like make a point we need to talk about this stuff and with Carly I caught her at the right time where she had a lot of feelings about that stuff and like um we talk about that conversation still sometimes where it's like you know that was a really important moment for me personally to grow as the podcaster and as a person in general and for her just being able to talk about these experiences with somebody who would listen and would understand so it's it's just astonishing how that conversation and those conversations have helped all of us grow it's it's this really really wonderful thing that happens when you start doing this thing right where you're like oh like, like, is I know that like my friends are gonna want to talk about it, mm-hmm. but is anybody gonna want to commit time to this? And yeah. then you know you get someone like Carly, who is down to talk about it, and she's in f- one of the fucking coolest bands ever. Yes, absolutely. And she said yes, and then she gave so much of herself. Absolutely. And that was a game changer. And I think that really was the gateway for me having so much opportunity because I think people saw that Slingshot Dakota episode existed not and they heard the conversation between Carly and I and I quickly started getting opportunities I never thought would happen. I had guests that I never thought I would talk to because 
shortly after that, I think the next episode is Shauna Potter of War on Women. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to Jamie Coletta. And I started getting these kind of quote unquote bigger names. And yeah. I was just astonished. I rem- I still do this sometimes with some of the guests that I get, but I'm like fist pumping and getting so stoked that these people are even answering my emails sometimes. Right. I'm like, what? You uh-huh. want to talk to me? I still get, I joke that I'm like, I'm a little bit of a Taylor Swift sometimes because I'm like, I'm still starstruck and amazed that these people want to talk to me, that the opportunities like this happen. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> it's, fu- it's funny, right? Because when you, when you finish the first one, mm-hmm. you know, how, how did you feel about it then? Were you like, okay, I think, that was kind of that was that was what I wanted to do. Maybe I can continue to do this. Definitely. And I quickly started to realize I'm like, okay, I like the way that turned out. Well, shit, I got to make another one. Right. And so I started just kind of feeling out the internet, seeing who is out there who might want to talk and stuff. So I just started reaching out to people. It got to the point where I was sending uh different messages to just different people in music. I met um Sarah Blumenthal from All Right, one of my dear friends I've made through Fest, you mm-hmm. know, she immediately said yes to doing that. And um, one of my best friends, Stove, they reached out to me on my Facebook page and was like, I like what you're doing. Can I be a guest on your podcast? Yeah. And I'm like, absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, after that interview, um, we quickly became friends. And like, that's one of my favorite people just in general. Stove's a great friend and I've met so many friends because of them. Yeah. Um, and so it just kind of kept growing and people just started slowly reaching out to me or I was reaching out to them. I sent a lot of emails in the first year asking people. Yeah. But it's kind of amazing because now I get both. I have people DMing me on Twitter. I have emails come in from time to time from different publicists, which I'm like, whoa, publicists actually want to talk to me. Yeah. And like, it's you know, weird, right? It is. I'm like, what? I used to have to fight tooth and nail to get on somebody's radar. And now you're coming to me. What? But I still have to send out emails, too. Like, of I course. still have to do requests. Well, I find that I find that aspect of, of things interesting. And it's something that I was looking forward to talking to you about is mm-hmm. as you've gotten into doing this more. I didn't I knew what a I knew that a publicist was a thing that existed, but I yeah. didn't really understand what it was until I started communicating with mm-hmm. them and all sorts of different people that are a part of this but aren't what most people see as being a part of it. Yeah. How has your perspective of of the way things go and I guess music in general changed since you've started doing this? Definitely. So, um I feel like I've started to get I've started to get insight on how the sausage is made. Yeah. Which is awesome and also a little terrifying from time to time. But fortunately I've worked with really great people and I've made really great connections over time because it's like I can talk to people like Jamie Coletta if I want to talk to somebody who's a little more established sometimes. Yeah. Or I've made friends with people like Jeremy Birkin who works with a lot of really great people. And I'm starting to see more and more the longer I do this the amount of work that goes into it. And that's why I try not to just interview musicians because yes, they are hardworking and deserving and they're great artists, but there are a lot of people that put in a lot of work too. So I like talk to artist management people and people who book and people who run blogs and try to like show that there's more to music than just the artists that we see. Cause it's like, we love the artists, we appreciate them, but they're kind of the end product sometimes of like a lot of work that goes in. Right. So, and, and Jamie's, I, I, I think the first of that of that bunch. Yes. And that was a very exciting interview to go back to as well because it, Jamie is s- just such an unbelievable 
person who mm-hmm. cares so much and puts so much into it. Yes. How did you how did you find her? And I guess was was she or what she does like a part of the initial thought of wanting to talk to all of these different people? Like does that come later or is that Well, that was probably around that was within the first 10 episodes if I remember right. And so um it kind of just I found I found her on the internet like many people I have for this podcast and right. I was like I wanted to kind of start to see the behind the scenes at that stage. And so I knew that record labels existed, obviously. And I'm like, well, who's involved in that that isn't a man at that point? Uh-huh. And I realized very quickly that Jamie was somebody who was working the hardest, cheerleading the loudest for so many different bands, mm-hmm. and um, was just killing it. And I wanted to talk to her really badly and get an idea of like, okay, how did you get in this? And what kind of keeps you going? What gets you excited about doing this as a career and everything? And it was just awesome to learn from that experience. And that conversation really got me hooked on talking to other people who were involved in like the behind the scenes at that point. Cause I was just like, wow, she's out here killing it. Who else is doing it? Right. And I wanted to find more. Cause it's like, in the sense it's, I wanted to be able to talk to more people doing it, but also I'm very aware that there aren't that many non-men in music that are getting either recognition or maybe don't even have that position of power yet Mm -hmm. and i wanted to kind of point out these are the ones who are accomplishing it if you want to be involved in that industry you can do it and they will tell you how on this podcast that's so great that was the intention opening the door right and and it's also it's it's like this is this is what you're doing yeah and as you're doing it more often it has to just be to look at at just the timestamps on these things mm-hmm. to see that it goes from once a month mm-hmm. to biweekly to now we're now we're weekly. Yeah, it's wild. You gotta you think about this a lot now. Yes, yeah. um, it's amazing. I think the biggest accomplishment for myself working on the podcast is when I have almost a backlog. So I have episodes planned out for like. A month uh-huh and i'm like if i stay on top of this it's not that hard yeah so i think for a long time it was me getting the confidence to just put in the work and see if i can make this happen more often yeah and finally it clicked i'm like okay i'm gonna push a little harder now mm-hmm. i think i'm getting and it wasn't even just that i started getting more contact with people who wanted to be on the podcast so i'm like well, it's not fair if I make them wait three or four months for the episode to come out. This might not be even relevant anymore. So I'm like, okay, so let's try bi-weekly and see if I can handle that workload as well as the number of artists and people involved in music that are reaching out. It just kept growing. Mm-hmm. It kept getting to a point where I was like, oh my gosh, I have enough people talking to me now that I can release episodes every week. Yeah. And it's amazing. And so I got to a point where I'm like, okay, if I stay three to four weeks ahead, I'll be okay doing this weekly. So absolutely, it's. Do you run into the same? What's that? Do you run into the same? Because you release episodes weekly with Better Yet too. Yeah, well, this is an interesting time for you to come. I think because I think I'm, I think that this will be the last one in a couple weeks. Okay. Okay. um, uh, You know, I gotta move and. Yeah, you got a lot going on. You gotta take some time for yourself. Well. It's this is an interesting time, I guess, because you know I listened to the to the newest episode, and you said that you're gonna 
take some time mm-hmm. off. And, and from what I can see, unless I missed it, this is the first time you've taken time off in a little bit. Yeah, I usually take off in December most yeah. of the month. I usually do my birthday through the end of the year. And I usually come back like Are you a Sagittarius? Week. I am. I'm a Sagittarius and I believe a Scorpio moon. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And you got a Virgo moon. No. Nah. Uh, but it's 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 cool. Uh-huh. But uh, I try to give myself at least an annual break. Yeah. Um, and I do it for to prevent burnout. So yeah. I usually take off the last couple weeks. Dog, of the year. I'm burnt out right now. So I gotta. I'm 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 in need of this. I yeah, think it's absolutely. Gonna be helpful. It's important to do that because, like, you know, I think it's important because for me, the number one thing aside from taking care of myself is I want to give high quality interviews. Mm-hmm. And so if I stop and I take care of myself or I do something for myself. That means I'm going to be that much more energized and excited when I come back. Right. So, like, um, so I took this break because Star Wars. There was no way I was going to have everything ready to put out <laughs> episodes. And I'm like, um, I would say for probably about the last month leading up to this trip, I've been like, my brain has literally been twitching going Star Wars every other thought. Right, And right. so um, I'm like, okay, I can't do that to my guests. I don't uh-huh. want them to be thinking I'm I'm distracted and I'm not focusing You're on just them. just like Austin Powers, just like Star Wars. Pretty Star Wars. much. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's me. That's that's me like 90% of the time anyhow. But uh-huh. I was like, okay, my brain is not going to be able to focus and I deserve a break. I need a vacation like anybody. So I was like, I'm going to take two weeks off. Go do, get my Star Wars out of system, take a nap, take a break, mm-hmm. chill after vacation, then I'll be back. So, so I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you're doing that for yourself. I'm Thank glad you. that you're realizing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice too to hear that people are hitting you up. I think that there's an aspect to doing this mm-hmm. where you you plan the interview, the interview goes great, you edit it, and then you put it up, and it's kind of just there it yeah you get maybe you get maybe you get a good day on twitter maybe you get like a, a good amount of retweets and mm-hmm. and people are are liking your stuff but it's a different type of experience i think than anything else that i've done creatively where it's there and you kind of have to i don't know if it if it goes this way for you too but my episode launch days for a long time mm-hmm. were some of the toughest days because you have to just be there for yourself and be like, it's good. It's good. In the beginning, I was definitely like that for a long time. I was like, have confidence in what you just created. And I think the most important thing for me was having the confidence in that people want to listen to me. I know that they're coming for the guests. Yeah. I know 100% that they want to hear these people's voices. But I think for a long time it took a while for me to think, I'm like, oh, yeah, these people actually want to hear what I have to say. And that's when I got to the point where um, you'll hear in occasionally episodes, if I'm, like, pissed off about something happening in the world, I'll give you, like, a couple minutes of me just giving my perspective on things and stuff. But, like, it took me a while to realize, I'm like, oh, it's okay to do that every now and then. And it's, to talk about yourself. Like, it's yeah. it's an experience, too, of, of listening to you every week now. And and this is the first time we met. And I, I feel like I've, I've known you for some time now. And I still remember the first time that I listened to Angry Girl. <laughs> listening to you talk to Mars, doing my own research, getting ready to talk to Mars, and just being like, ah, oh, Someone else is doing this. Yeah, this the feeling great. was mutual. Cause like I was listening to Better Yet, not I think around the same time I was starting my podcast and stuff. I'm like, shit, this is cool. I want to do something that's like hyper focused but very similar and stuff. So it's like it's it's wild. Um, 
I think how much we've both grown doing this thing. Yeah. It's it's fun and it's awesome and yeah, I think that listening to you, I think encouraged me in many ways to open up about myself here and there. I do a better job of doing that I think on social media because my biggest thing is is I don't want to detract from my artists too much because they have such important messages with like the intention yeah. of the podcast. So like I'm more likely to go off on Twitter on things and like I'll either say my spiel there or, you know, they'll see more of the goofy parts of me where I'm like doing my Star Wars gifts or like mm-hmm. posting pictures and all that kind of stuff. But it's I don't know. I try to slowly show little bits of myself and I want people to know that I'm a human, too. And vice yeah. versa. I feel like you do a pretty good job with that balance on the show. I also feel like you can you, you're allowed. Yeah you're, yeah, you're allowed to talk about yourself a little bit more. People are coming back for you. Yeah, it took me a while to realize. I'm like, oh, yeah, people actually care about the stuff I'm talking about, and they'll bring up the things that I like. My guests will sometimes, and I'll be like, no shit, and we'll just literally start shooting shit about whatever show we're watching or yeah. um, whatever we're doing. Like, uh, what was it? I was talking to Sadie Dupuy recently. Uh-huh. Spoiler if this comes out beforehand for anybody listening. Um, but, like, you know, she was telling me I should watch Riverdale. And I'm like, well, shit, I guess I'm going to watch Riverdale. You and, should. Yeah, but, like, you know, stuff like that. But, like, we can talk about really casual stuff on the podcast just as much as we can talk about, like, industry stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's cool, but let's talk about who we are as people, too. Because that's kind of – I like that you start with the journey, mm-hmm. with the – How'd you get into what you're into now? Mm -hmm. Because we can all identify with that no matter where we are. Definitely. Um, You know, it's it's funny to have been following and to see the confidence that you've been able to gain Mm -hmm. in your interviews and the way that you, you know, just like going back to episode one and listening and and just listening to you do a great job talking to to Erica in that moment and then going now into your interviews where you're just so able to just freely speak mm-hmm. and engage with the person and know that you're not looking at your notes the whole time you're not waiting for the next question you're just there and you're confident in your conversation yeah and then to listen to your fucking live episode at the <laughs> yes. fest. Yeah, that was an experience for sure. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, that was uh, that was the first time I think I've been on any kind of like stage slash center of attention moment since like five seconds in a middle school play kind of thing. Yeah. And I remember leading up to the show even starting, I'm like bouncing around, shaking. I'm like, I have not done this in so long. Is this going to be okay? And uh, I was very fortunate. I picked all my friends to be there for me. So like I had um, all my friends at Gutless. They're a local band from Gainesville who are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I'd known them for some time. They're really great people. And I felt comfortable knowing that, like, I had people up there who were going to talk. And I chose Katrina from Expert Timing, who's, like, one of my dearest friends in the Florida music scene and stuff. And, like, she and I talked to each other pretty regularly. And, like, leading up to the show, she was, like, messaging me and being, like, You're, you've got this. You'll be okay. You'll have me up there. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Carly. And I'm, like, I know Carly's going to talk and everybody are going to be enamored with her. Same with all my guests, truly. So I'm just, like. I'm sharing the stage. It's not just me up there. It's going to be okay. If you get panicked, 
they know and they'll help you. And I felt that so much throughout the entire show. That's so great. It's such a fun listen. And um, what was it like? Was it like being able to do one of these and and take an applause for it? Um, it was very emotional. Um, obviously you can't see it because it's a taping, but like I kind of teared up at the end and stuff. And I think like every time that I got nervous, there would either be applause. Or I would see somebody in the crowd that just, like, meant the world to me. I am so fortunate. That room was completely full. And it was all friends that I had made over the years in music. Yeah. So anytime I got nervous, I could make eye contact with a friend. And I was like, you're not talking to a crowd. You're talking to your friends. And once I got into that mentality, it wasn't as hard. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, um, I would look out and I'd have, like, Jeff and Katrina making bases at me just to kind of keep me going or like, you know, I'd have like my friend Caitlin sitting up front and she's watching me and I'm seeing all these different people that I've met over the years in music just like there and they're supporting me and it was just a really powerful moment because it's like, you know, whenever you go see music, you're cheering somebody else on, right? You're experiencing them. And for them to kind of come and do that in return for me was a really powerful emotional experience because I'm like, they turned out to see what I have to say, which, you know, I never thought an experience like that would happen, especially in a room full of people. Yeah. And I was just like enamored with that and so humbled and so grateful and you know, that was just one of the best experiences of my life. It's 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 one of those things that like to to listen to the early interviews again and and to know that whenever you start to do something you want to you want to think about being able to do something like that Mm -hmm. but you want to keep yourself grounded because you're just doing a thing and you don't know how it's gonna go yeah exactly but seeing you grow into what you're doing now it's been incredibly inspiring and i know that you have so many people who are still cheering you on and still excited. Yeah, I'm really grateful for everything that's happened. I think a lot, as much as it has been hard work on my part, a lot of it has been really great people being in my corner along the way and like helping me just continue to grow and learn and get better at this. Cause like, you know, it takes time, it takes patience from guests, it takes so much um, that is not just coming from me, but others. And, it's really special that there's been a community that started to kind of form around this podcast and stuff. I get the occasional message from somebody thanking me that this exists. And I'm just like, it exists because you're here cheering me on doing this thing. I have my good days and I have my bad. But when I get those kind of messages from either different former guests who've been on the podcast or people who are listening, that's just like the motivation to keep going. Well... That's great and all, but I was going to ask you what keeps you motivated. Because that's <laughs> what you ask your guests. So you just wrapped up the interview for me. <laughs> because no matter what happens, you're always going to be the interviewer. You're always going <laughs> to be aware. It's... it's what happens. Well, like, you know, honestly, it, it's 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 those messages. I'll, I'll still answer the question anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's those messages from different people. I think it's also... It's as much the challenges as it is the victory. So the challenges being the the festival lineups where you can still see that they're completely headed by straight white men. Yeah. 
when I see that happening, whenever I see unfortunate incidents wherever victims of abuse are being silenced, whenever I see that people don't feel like they're being heard, to me, that's a fire that just gets a little bit hotter, a little bit brighter in me to, like, I'm not done. I'm not done. I got to keep going. I got to keep fighting for people. So it's partially the challenge of making sure that that happens. It's as much that as it is getting those positive messages and reinforcement from the community that are telling me that this stuff matters. So mm. it's it's it, there's so much going on there where I think it's just I, I realize that my platform that I'm sharing with the, all these people is still needed and it's still important and I don't have any plans to stop. I'm going to keep going and because yeah. like. It's funny, I have these conversations either on the internet or in person with people where it's like, you still hear that telltale of like, you know, there just aren't that many women in the music scene. There's no girls out there. And I'm like, I love the fact that I can whip out my entire catalog of episodes. I think I have 75 out right now. I'm like, I haven't even scratched the surface. We're just getting started. You are just getting started. And I I mean, I'm just, I've only talked to so many people out there, but guess what? There are hundreds, if not thousands, maybe even more than I could possibly imagine, who have not even been remotely close to being on this podcast yet or being discovered. And I'm going to try to get as many as I can handle. <laughs> and you've been do- and you've been doing it long enough to where new bands are starting all the time. Absolutely. There's and, always somebody new. And to see to see the the amount of 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 people who are doing it now mm-hmm. and how much more there are now as opposed to when you started that is just gonna keep on rolling so you're gonna you're you're interviewing until until the day you die that's just i'm gonna have to like lose my voice or something Uh at some point like it's we're gonna have to get to a point where i think even then i would just get like animatronic voice or something the future's coming like we'll find a way the future is coming the future is here yeah no kidding (laughs) i'm just like we'll we'll keep going as long as we have to until like I mean, I'm gonna I'm bringing up Slingshot Dakota again, but we're just gonna keep getting louder. Yeah. Like to quote that song, that's that's that song is literally the epitome of what I'm trying to do with this podcast, and it's just gonna keep going from there. It was such a pleasure having you over. Thanks for having me. It's nice to meet you in person at last. Hang out. Get to listen to Chloe do some snores and farts and, and some great. Farts, some good farts. <laughs> She's a sweetheart. Oh my god, this oh, is wonderful. Thank you. All right, hey, cool. that was fun and deeply, good? deeply fulfilling. There's so much gratitude that radiates off of Amanda. So much passion, and that's what keeps it going. I've been an admirer of her work ever since I found it, and continue to do so. It was so great getting the chance to learn more about this person that I listen to once a week. Someone y'all should be listening to once a week. Subscribe to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can also access the show online at angrygirlmusic.podbean.com. Spell girl the way Kathleen Hanna spells girls. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Angry Girl Music and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Get that next episode in real time. We're on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. The website is betteryetpod.com. Patreon will be hella active while we're slow on the feed. Plenty of audio to tide you over over there. 
in exchange for a monthly pledge. Help me keep the light on in that new studio space. Oh, Lord. Patreon.com slash Betty at Podcast. And thank you so much. Thanks to Amanda. Thank you, Chloe and Lily. Sincere thanks to this space, which has housed us for the past year. And thanks to all who have come to spend time in it. And everyone who keeps coming back. Much to be thankful for and much to look forward to. I can't wait. We will talk soon. Thanks, brothers. All I need are my books and an atlas. A case of pearls at my feet. Oh, we need is a win.